Hopefully you're enjoying your January. I had just gotten back. I was telling them before we started the service, thank you, that um, I literally yesterday just left Minnesota, and uh, it was cold. Um, it's been, uh, I think they said the last time they've had it, so get this, I'm leaving a meeting in Rochester, Minnesota. The wind chill was 35 below zero. And the last time it was that way was 25 years ago, and guess what? I was there 25 years ago when they had the same experience. So I, I felt, yeah, well, yeah. And so I felt extremely blessed um, that the Lord chose that time, both times, for me to be there to experience that. So what a joy. It's an honor to be here with you guys. If you'll join me, grab your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to focus our attention on verse 12, but before we get there, we kind of need to take, our, take a moment and kind of get us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So as you guys are doing that, look up here real quick on the stage and see this, this table. I want this table to represent something to you as we move forward in the teaching. This table represents uh, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why that's so important is a lot of times when you and I are starting to read the scripture, there, there seems to be this focus on not only the life and the death of Jesus, but very little on the resurrection. And you need to see it as a complete understanding, especially when we go into the writings of the New Testament past the book of Acts, because they are talking about what does it mean to have new life in Christ and live based on that type of life? And so since we hardly talk about this idea that we're a new creation or we're living based on a resurrected life of the Lord now, what happens is we spend a lot of time being what we would call sin conscious instead of new life conscious. And the, what we're going to come to in the passage today here is Paul is now... Through the book of Corinthians, he's starting to deal with what we would call, how do you live the Christian life? What's going on? And they're running into problems, and Paul is now beginning to address them. And when we get here to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, now we have Paul is now addressing, earlier in the chapter, about Christians suing Christians, and, and sexual immorality, and, and things that are common with people that have not met the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've not, and not become a new creation. They're thinking and acting like nothing has happened to them. So what we're going to cover tonight, or what my goal is with you, is I'm going to talk to you about the mystery of Christian liberty and authority. The mystery of Christian liberty and authority. Now, when we come to this passage right here, Paul is going to make a simple statement, but it's very profound, especially with what we, I just introduced to you. If Jesus now has seated us with him, he is living in us, and we have become a new creation compared to Adam and his descendants. We literally have God living inside of us. There should be a uniqueness to that life, and now he's beginning to present it. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, let's read the passage. It says, All things are lawful to me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Now, it's interesting. Paul is beginning to now 
when I looked at the original language, this is actually a third person statement, which means he's taking a statement that the church now is beginning to speak. And he's beginning to address it. Now, he just brought up the idea of Christians suing Christians and sexual immorality. And, he, and what he's doing is he's bringing up a statement that the church in Corinthians is saying. So what is he trying to get at? Since Jesus died on the cross, the whole idea of what the law is to a Christian has changed. In fact, it tells us, that the purpose of the law, Paul begins to write this, the purpose of the law is to do two things. It's to show us the perfection of God. God is perfect, and that we're not. And the law, as we find out, wasn't to be a set of rules we live before God with. The law was given us to show us that we actually are sinners and we need a Savior. And not only do we need a Savior once, we need a Savior continually. And that's why what we would call the majesty of Jesus appearing in human history is so dynamic because he, he not only rescued us from sin, he rescued us from the law. Now think about this with me. The biggest problem with the nation of Israel was not the law, it's how people related to the law. The law has a profound effect, doesn't it? This is how God wants me to walk. These set of rules that God has put in front of me. And so instead of relating to God in a relational way, I relate to God on a law way. And because I live my life based on following God through a set of rules, I never feel like I can connect with him because every time I look at the rules, I find that I fall short. There's shame and condemnation that comes over me. And now I don't want to stand in God's presence because when I have that law within my mind and my heart, it judges me. And then when I stand before God, I feel condemnation. And I believe that the only response that God is going to give me is that he is going to condemn me. And so God now sends the Lord Jesus Christ and says, now on him I am going to visit all of this. Not only does Jesus take the penalty of the sin, he takes the law upon himself so that we are set free from the law. Now, not only are we set free from the law, which actually is hard for believers to realize, it means that now walking with God is in such a different dynamic that I have to learn how to walk with God in a new way because I'm a new creation. And because I'm a new creation, this dynamic begins to touch my heart, I start realizing the law has no effect over me. I'm free. So how should I live? That's what Paul is beginning to address. And this is what this argument is, by the way, that's being brought up in this situation. He is beginning to, he's beginning to address the problem of how people try to work with not being under the law anymore. How shall I live? And, it's, and he says this. This is an argument that the Corinthian church is actually presenting. All things are lawful for me. So what he's saying is, now that the law isn't under me, I'm free to live. Now the question becomes, if I'm free to live... How shall I live? Everything is lawful to me. It means there's no law over me now. Now, this actually scares a lot of people to go into this area of talking about Scripture because the minute you say that God is not 
having judgment over you, and that liberty hits the heart, people believe it becomes a license to do whatever they want to do. And there are parts of Christianity that really realize that Jesus fully saves, but then they don't know how to live in relation to him, so they go back to the very thing that Jesus has set them free from. And they come under the bondage of it in a new way. But Brian, you just said we were set free from the law. You were set free from the law. But when it says all things are lawful to me, it means God does not want you or me to stand before him and relate to him anymore based on the law. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants us to know, and you guys got it? When I relate to him in the law, I relate to him as a judge. Well, after Jesus died on the cross, this is what the whole book of Romans begins to address. Once Jesus died on the cross and we were justified, God went from being our judge to being our father. And now that he's our father, he doesn't want us to, him, us to bring up the idea of condemnation or shame or this idea that we're not acceptable to him. In fact, God was so serious about this that Jesus made a statement like this in the New Testament. The Father has given me all judgment. So the Father isn't even judging Christians anymore. He's left all the judgment to the Son. So if the Son has all judgment, Jesus describes, well, what is the Son doing when it comes to that? He said, I did not come to judge, but to save people. You guys get it? Think about this. This is an incredible dynamic that's actually been brought to you and I, that there's such liberty in what Jesus has done for you and I, that God the Father is not condemning you, and God the Son is not condemning you anymore. They've called you into relationship with him. Now I have relationship with him, so the question becomes, well, what do I do with all the rules? What do I do with this stuff? Well, the Bible says... Since you're not going to relate to God as a father or the Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit based on law anymore, then that means your relationship has to come to the forefront. And it's now about how do I relate to him in relationship, not based on rules. This is, a, this is actually the tendency or the, the call of maturity that I would say most of us, uh, myself included, have a hard time hearing because we, we want to relate to God based on rules. It sounds easier. And yet the, the call of maturity is to get away from that and know him in relationship ways. Knowing him as a, a person that's in a family. Now, how does God talk to you and I? We're going to move on to the passage and actually deal with it. But how does God actually talk to us as his people? Well, we actually see a beautiful picture of this in the book of Ephesians. There are several pictures in Ephesians, but the two that I want to focus on is this one. First, we're called to God to be a family. So that now God is taking the role of, I'm your father, I relate to you as a family, and so from this point on, when I'm relating to you as a family, recognize it is my job as a father to create you first and foremost, and then secondly, to nurture you. Those are the two words for the word father in the Hebrew and in the Greek. They mean to create and to nurture. The next picture that we actually have is that you and I have moved from a place of relating to God as a judge now to become the bride of Christ. 
So now God has actually called me into what we would call the two categories of the most intimate relationships that you can have. God has given us the picture. This is what I am relating to you as. You are my children, but actually in a very unique way, you are my bride. And this is how God is determined that he now wants you and I to relate to each other. Now think about this. I do not sit with my kids and have relationships by bringing up a set of rules and saying, did you do these 10 things? And if I want to make sure that my wife and I are not getting along, I don't bring up a set of rules, did you do this today? Now we're relating on a different reality, which is called the heart of the person, knowing the heart of the person. Am I worried about what, how... That person is responding as I relate to them. Have you guys heard the call of maturity in relationships? See, when we first get in relationship, we, we try to draw from a person to get something met inside of us. And a person can't do that, but God can. Once I relate to God, he loves me to a place where I become satisfied in him. And then what's supposed to come out of me is joy... And thankfulness, and now I want to be in relationship with him and find out what pleases him because he so satisfied me. This is what Paul is now beginning to address in this statement right here. All things are lawful to me, but then it says all things are not beneficial. Uh, in the original language, just so that we understand this, this word for beneficial, it actually means Everything that you encounter in your life, it has an effect on you. And the idea is you collect these effects, and then the end result is you should be benefited from all these things that are going on in your life. So it's the overarching principle. If God is a father to you and I, what is his household like? His household is a household of wholeness, prosperity, and peace. So when I'm now relating to God, it means really a fulfillment of what we actually see in Psalms 23, that goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And because of that, I am now dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Now, isn't that incredible? Think about that with me. Now, because of God's intent of beneficial... All things are lawful to me, but they're not all beneficial. God is saying, now how do you relate to him? What is Christian liberty? Christian liberty is now beginning to be able to discern if this thing I am involved in, is this enhancing my love relationship with him, or is it hurting me in my relationship to him? In my relationship with my wife, are our communication is to connect at a heart level so that I can know what awakens her heart in our relationship. She does the same thing, what she communicates to me, what awakens me. We learn to see what benefits the relationship. We date each other. We do things. We communicate. We, we go about living our lives so that as we grow, it benefits to come into wholeness. And that's how God wants you to relate to him now. 
Everything's, been, everything's lawful, but not everything brings to wholeness. And now because it doesn't bring to wholeness, God wants you to use that as a standard should this thing be in my life. Does it actually bring wholeness to me? Does it actually bless me? Does it actually enhance my relationship with the Lord? Now, isn't that better than sitting around going, well, I obeyed the 10 rules. By the way, the 10 rules, 10 commandments, like I said, show the perfection of God and will never master him. God intentionally wanted it that way so that you would relate to him in relationship. Let's keep moving on. The, the passage also says, and he, he restates it again. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Now, that's actually an interesting statement, isn't it? The, the word power here actually could be translated master of something, but it's interesting. There are two concepts of power in the New Testament. The first one comes from a word dunamis, which means dynamite, uh, where we get the word dynamite. It means to explode or something to transform something. So anytime healing comes, as given as an example, or a miracle takes place, it's because the power of God, it's like raw power explodes explodes on something, and it changes it. Now, since God's explosions don't bring destruction, his explosive power brings restoration. And so that's one form of power, but that's not the word that's being used here. This is the word for authority. So it's interesting, they trans some translators say, you will not be over the power of something, and we think power does that mean like something's resting on me or something controlling me? No, it's actually using the word for authority, that type of power. Now, this is interesting. The word um, for authority here in the Greek New Testament is interesting, and it really means something in this passage because this is the word we use when we drive out demons. You guys realize I don't drive demons out by power. I drive demons out because of authority. When I have authority, demons respond to it because authority has to do with relational things. Demons are beings. When I speak to them, they have to respond because they're beings and they're under authority structure. And the highest level of authority in the universe is the Lord Jesus Christ. You are seated with him and they have to obey your authority. And that's the word that's actually being here. You guys ready? Now, Paul is saying... Well, since the law doesn't have control over you anymore, what can get control over you? And it's using the Greek word in this passage to describe something in the spiritual realm that you give yourself to has a spiritual power behind it. It might even be the enemy, and you can actually come under control of that after you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's fascinating, isn't it? So let's actually develop that. What is he actually trying to address here? Now he's going to bring in the idea that the passage itself, and Paul's beginning to address it, he just went through a whole entire list of what? Sexual problems in people's lives. Perversions, one level after another. And then he begins to lay down this idea, that, that thing that you're involved in, that's what we call the flesh. Your appetites. What you do with yourself. What do you do with the things that God has freely given you? You're not under the law anymore. But what's going on with your flesh? So when he's beginning to address this, he says, you're not under authority. 
You will not be mastered by something. He's actually saying that, do you guys get this? You can actually know the Lord Jesus Christ, have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, not be under the law, and yet come into bondage because of how you relate to God according to your appetites. Do you guys remember just meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, how wonderful that was, and yet still being in bondage to things? And going, well, how can I know Jesus? I can know a measure of power and authority, and yet this thing has control over me. And Paul is actually bringing something up really interesting. Right in the middle of all this stuff he's describing, he's telling you, this is why that thing has control over you, because your flesh has been given to it. And the minute you give your appetites to something that Jesus doesn't have control over, it comes under the control of something else, and you come into bondage. Not all of you is in bondage. That appetite is. It's not walking in wholeness in relationship to the Lord. Now think about that. That means that now how you live, if it's not law-based, it's based on does that thing I participate enhance or diminish my wholeness with the Lord? Several years ago, well, actually many years ago, more than a decade ago, I had a problem after I met the Lord Jesus Christ. I had an addiction issue going on in my life. And the the addiction I had was actually acceptable to the culture. I didn't even know it was a problem until the Lord convicted me of it. So I'm going to somehow try to present this to you. Yeah, here we go. Now remember, this is culturally acceptable. So what I'm going to say to you, if we went out and talked to even a bunch of Christians right now, or even people on the street, they'd say, I don't see that as being a problem. For some odd reason, my whole entire life, I've always drinking soda pop. But after I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I got extremely addicted to Mountain Dew. (laughs) See, it doesn't sound bad, does it? Yeah. And so, guys, do you understand that every day I drink two to three to four two liters of Mountain Dew every day? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny you guys are laughing at my addiction. All right? So every day, in fact, there were some people on staff at the church that I went to that I would actually meet them at the soda fountain, and we would all be filling up 64 ounces of soda every day, two or three times a day. But it was okay because, you guys ready? I was leading small groups. I I knew how to do Bible studies. I was praying for the sick, and they were getting healed, and I was actually driving out demons, so why would Jesus care about this? Do you guys realize you're not supposed to be laughing at this? Now, how did I know it was a problem? Well, it was obvious to everybody. But you guys realize, when you've given your flesh to something and it becomes a stronghold, part of the reason it becomes a stronghold is not because of what it satisfies in you. It's because when you give yourself to it and that power is released behind it, you come under the spirit of deception over it. And I, did you guys ever done this? 
Because I wanted it so bad, and the Lord had to actually deal with why I wanted it, but the reason I wanted it so bad, I actually justified it before everybody that God was okay with it. So what did I tell people? You know, Jesus created Mountain Dew, so why wouldn't he want me to have it? I believe in the healing ministry, so if I blow out my pancreas, he'll just give me a new one. I, I serve the Lord all the time. I'm faithful, and I'm tired, and this gives me the energy to do it, justifying it all over the place. And if anyone brought the law up to me, I'd say, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. So I tried to create inside my own heart a reason why I should do this and, and never have anyone on the universe ever point that out and say, you might, you might think that might be a problem. <laughs> So how did God help me? Or how did God get me? So we had a birthday party. So I was home with my kids, my wife, before we had some friends come over. And what do you think I got for my birthday? Mountain Dew. So they actually wrapped a six-pack of Mountain Dew and put it on the table. And guys, I mean, really, I, I, I open it up and there it is. Happy birthday. Exactly what I wanted. I drank it down and I put the can on the table, you know, taking a breath before I crank through another one. And my oldest daughter, she was 10 years old at this time, she picked it up and she was just making a joke. She said, you know what we ought to do with this can? We ought to bronze this and then when dad dies, put it on top of his tombstone and say, our father's God. Okay, have you guys ever been convicted by the Lord, not condemned by the Lord? <laughs> this, I mean, my daughter was just having fun. She even laughed as she said it. And when she said that, the Spirit of the Lord just landed on my heart. And I mean, this intense conviction came over me. You guys ready? I was so grateful she said that. I actually think it might have been a prophetic word because some, the deception actually broke over me finally. And that conviction came on me, and I didn't know what to say. I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm thinking, oh, no. No. So I, I turned to him and went, um, hey, could you guys excuse me for a few minutes? And my office is in my basement. So I go down to my office, and I get on my knees, and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe this. I, and you guys ready? I, I had to admit it. I'm actually addicted. I'm telling the Lord this like he doesn't know. I'm addicted to this stuff, Lord. How did I get here? Now, the good thing about the Lord is he's extremely kind. I don't know if we're kind sometimes, but the Lord is kind even when he convicts us of stuff. I, I just asked him, how did I get into this place? And he, he, have you guys ever talked to Jesus? Sometimes when he answers, he answers with a question. So how did I get here? And he, and he asked me, Brian, what do you get out of doing this? What do you get out of drinking Mountain Dew? I thought, well, I mean, that's obvious. He said, no, think harder. Why do you, there's a payoff here. Why do you do this? I thought, oh, I do it because it makes me feel good, and I feel like I'm in control of my life because 
on my outward circumstances, I don't feel like I'm in control. And for a lot of inward circumstances, I don't feel like I'm in control. So this is the one area I can go to where I feel good about myself and, <clears throat> and I can control this. And he said, and that's the issue that's going on with you. If you'll put this in my hands, I'll break the power of that inside of you. And so, guys, this is a good thing about Jesus. I don't have to have it all figured out. All I have to do is walk with him. I got before the Lord and I just said, you know, Lord, I, can't, I really can't set myself free from this. I want this too much. You have got to come and deal with why I think I need this. And the, guess what the Lord did? This is the idea of the whole entire passage. He wasn't relating to me on the law. If we would have stayed in the law, I would have stayed in bondage to this. Because I don't have the power to be set free, but I know a person that can set me free. When that person came to set me free, he loved me past that addiction. He went into that place in my soul that I don't understand, and he filled it with something that I was longing for, that I was trying to get from that substance. He filled that. I got up off the floor. Now, this is, this is phenomenal. Sometimes he makes you walk through a season. I got off the floor, went back upstairs to my birthday presence. Cranked open another Mountain Dew and was just about to start to drink it. And I looked at it, and you guys ready? I realized I don't have a desire for this. It's gone. I went, uh, can you imagine? Everyone spent a whole bunch of money on this stuff. I just went out and poured it out all in my backyard, and I actually think that was the best birthday present I've ever gotten. That was, I was just thinking about it, my daughter's 30, so that was over 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And you guys ready? When he set me free from it, I was free. I don't have a desire for it. You guys, you know, the addiction was so bad, I used to dream about Mountain Dew. Got you, right? A big Mountain Dew and uh, me and the Mountain Dew jumping in the air and hugging each other. <laughs> uh, so glad you laugh at my bondage. That's so awesome. So you guys ready? Now when it comes to Christian liberty, Jesus is pointing and he's saying, now look, I've created the body and the soul and the emotions for relationship with me. Not for something over here that'll, that'll capture you and put you into spiritual bondage to where you're in control of that. I created you to be in relationship with me, not be in control with something that hurts you. And that's the idea of Christian liberty. When I am walking with God and Jesus is coming into my soul and he's saying, that's not beneficial, he's saying it not to keep me from something, but to take me to something better. He wants me free. He wants you free. So when it says that we will not be mastered by something or we will not be under the power of something, what is authority and how does authority work? That's our last part. It's amazing. When God shows me something, when I respond to him, the ability to Breaks stuff in my life gets set in place. 
So if, now here's the thing. I could take the law and say I shouldn't be doing this because I could see in the law that I'm not supposed to be doing it, but when I try to serve the law, it doesn't have the power to set me free. But if I come and take these things that are going on in my life and I present them to the Lord, and he says, that's not beneficial to you, don't go that direction, I have the power to be set free when I respond to him because all obedience is in response to a relationship to God. And when I respond to him correctly in my relationship, he gives me his power to be free from it. So obedience is actually the door that releases power for freedom inside of me. That's step one. Step two. What is this power that I should not be mastered? Anything in my life that becomes more important than expressing love to the Lord Jesus Christ, that has master over me. So anything that I can't, isn't this amazing? Anything that I cannot give up that the Lord tells me to let go, that actually means I love that more than I love the Lord Jesus Christ. One time I was watching Billy Graham many years ago. And they were putting on a, a former program of him. And he was, he was given a call to the people in this stadium to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is actually not the hardest part of walking with God. The hardest part is to say, what will Jesus point to and say, are you willing to let that go so that I can be Lord over your life? See, think about the, the, what God has called you and I to he calls us saints. He's come into our life and he's loved us so deeply that he says, this is the, the pool that I want you swimming in all the time. And any area that you give yourself to, it pulls you out of the pool of love and it puts you in the pool of, of bondage and condemnation and addiction. And I want to set you free from that so that you can come back into the pool of love. So walking with the Lord, walking honestly and truthfully with the Lord is what he's called you and I to. That's what Paul is now addressing. I don't want to be in bondage to these things. You don't want to be in bondage to these things. There are Christians, guys, I travel all over the world, as they said, and I go to places and Christians are in bondage to things that Jesus has provided breakthrough for. And we just accept it because everybody's into it. And this isn't me trying to get you, do you guys hear it? This isn't me trying to get you to be holy on your own. I'm telling you, Jesus has provided this for you. You don't even have to worry about being holy. All you have to do is worry about loving him and walking with him, and he'll make you that. Jesus has called you and I to be set free. What he has done, when I point at this table, what he has done on the cross... The death and the resurrection has provided this thing, and this is what Paul is addressing with the Corinthians now. He's saying, you're thinking and acting like Jesus hasn't done all this for you. You're not looking at yourself properly. You're seeing that you keep thinking you're under the law, the old way. You're not under that anymore. That does not have any authority over you. You have been called to a place of being liberated before the Lord, and you are to stand in that because that is the blessing of God for you.
Would you join me in prayer? Let's ask the Lord to engage us with this. Lord, first I just want to acknowledge your presence here with us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge this work and thank you for it. Thank you for what you've done through Jesus' life and resurrection. Thank you for paying the price so that we could come into Christian liberty and not be under the law anymore. We just say thank you for that. But Lord, you are Lord over us. And so we come before your majesty right now. And we present ourselves to you and we say, now Lord, even our appetites are yours. Even our appetites. And we invite you to come in and, and begin the work of wholeness inside of us. Sometimes, Lord, we use ourselves and others as a comparison. Sometimes we use what the culture says is acceptable. But there really is something about your heart and who you are in us that should be our standard. Let that standard arise, Lord, with your love. Let the power of your love come now. Let it come. Let the power of your love come to us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you find yourself caught in something and you don't know how to be set free, we stand together here and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break the power of that thing in your life. And we ask, Lord, that your love would deliver us. And we bless you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, let's... Let's go ahead and do this. If you have pain over, uh, it's like a headache, but you have pain specifically over your left eye, uh, where it actually is an intensity, would you stand? The Lord actually wants to minister to you. Pain, it's headaches, pain specifically over your left eye, if you have that. I'm sorry you do, but please stand so the Lord can minister to you. We also do this. I, now, it's kind of hard. The way the Lord was showing it to me, I was trying to figure out how do I describe that, but he was showing me that someone here is dealing with problems in their lungs, uh, something about the bottom of their lungs that's making them have breathing problems specifically, and you wheeze, uh, you, you have a hard time breathing, would you stand if that's you? The Lord wants to actually minister it to you. Oh, no one in the room. Okay, I must, this must have been for some other meeting. Let's keep moving forward. Pain in the lower jaw. If you have pain in your lower jaw, the Lord actually wants to come and release his power to restore you. If there's someone here dealing with that, please stand. The Lord actually wants to minister to you. Uh, and then he was showing me something specifically in the lungs. It was not in the lower part of the lungs, but it was like in the bronchial area, there was um, inflammation. And the inflammation was uh, making your, your bronchial tubes like clogged and hard for you to um, just kind of like get it out. If you're struggling with that, please stand. The Lord actually wants to minister to you. And then he was showing me numbness in someone's hands. They're actually dealing with numbness in their fingers and pain in their hands. If that's you, please stand. The Lord wants to minister to you. And I've given like, I don't know how many, and one person's responded. I think I need to go to a different meeting. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. 
The next one is this, bleeding noses. If you have problems with your nose bleeding just uh, commonly, would you stand? The Lord actually wants to minister to you. You have just constant bleeding nose issues. The Lord actually wants to restore you. If that's you, please, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. All right, so let's pray for these words of knowledge real quick. And I just ask the Lord to bring his power. So, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And Lord, release your power over their bodies. Just come, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break the power of this infirmity over them. We command it to lift off. And we ask, Lord, that you would now, through your power, begin to restore them. Release your power, Lord. Lord, we come into agreement with your wholeness. Let your wholeness just flow over us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, is there a woman here named Susan? Okay, Susan here. That's you? Oh, my goodness, all right. And I should know that. Okay, so what I felt like the Lord was telling me is... um, there's going to be a transformation that's actually going to come in your life, and the Lord's going to cause you to become a writer. And he's actually going to give you stuff to start writing, and that he's going to start equipping you to actually do that. Does that make any sense to you? All right, well, let's pray for it. Good. This, it makes me feel good. I'm doing really good tonight. So let's just pray for that. So, Lord, we just ask that you would do that, that this inspiration that I saw that you were giving, I ask that you would release that. Let your goodness and your power just be over her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, is there a Dan here, a gentleman named Dan? Okay, like I said, I must be in the wrong meeting, but the Lord gave me specifically a gentleman named Dan. He's an older gentleman. He has brown hair. So I'm going to go ahead and just give it because I think it actually is the Lord. So Dan, the Lord was actually showing me that you've been walking with him. You feel like you've advanced to a certain point, but something is resisting you. The Lord was showing me that he's going to actually break that off of you. And there's a season now for the favor of the Lord to rest on you and to actually lead you into the things that he's called you to. And it had to do with um, people and relationships and so we just ask that the Lord would release your power over this gentleman, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, one more, Jim. Is there a Jim here? Oh, hey, Jim. Are you ready? Okay, well, this is going to be kind of easy because I kind of already know you, but the Lord was showing me you have a shepherding anointing. And he wanted me to specifically say this to you. He said he was bringing a breakthrough financially to you. There's something that you're going through right now, and the Lord said he was actually going to break that over you. It's actually been bugging you for a while, and you're wondering if the Lord was actually going to do that. Does that make any sense? I'm sorry? Okay, so let's pray for that. So, Lord, for Jim, right now, just release your power and your presence in this situation. And this area of finances, this thing that we deal with all the time, Lord, Uh, how the enemy kind of gets in that, tries to bring discouragement. We break the power of that right now. We bless the shepherding anointing. We ask that he would flourish 
and that you are the provider. And so we welcome that provision into his life and we say yes to it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys ready? Please receive the blessing of the Lord and then I'm going to be done. So please receive the blessing of the Lord. Yeah, you can stand if you want. That'd be awesome. Just put your hands out like it's Christmas. Here we go. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We bless your name. Now, come. Right now. As we get ready to go to our homes, we ask that you would hover over us. You would strengthen us by the power of your might. And now, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you shalom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.